Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 559 of the Juice Box Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Today, we're going to be talking with a type one who's in her mid-20s who loves to camp. Also, uh, there's a lot of great stories in here. So it's about camping Ish. I mean, you guys know the podcast at this point. If you think this is an hour about camping, <laughs> uh, you've got the wrong show. But there's some camping stories and some ideas about camping. It's not a how-to about camping with diabetes. Um, I honestly don't know how to make an hour-long entertaining podcast uh, about a how-to about uh, anything. So uh, I found you some LVH. And she loves to camp. And she's got type 1. And she's going to tell you about how she was diagnosed. And how she went camping. It's going to be terrific. Don't make me explain it to you here. While you're listening, though, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Just a reminder, go take that survey. T1DExchange.org forward slash juice box. Trying to get to 2000 surveys before the end of Diabetes Awareness Month. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. The podcast is also sponsored today by TrialNet. TrialNet offers free type 1 diabetes risk screening and much more. Go find out about it at trialnet.org forward slash juice box. When the webpage asks you how you found out about TrialNet, Make sure you say Juice Box Podcast. I'm uh, LVH. I've been type 1 diabetic since June of 2019. And I am 26 years. Nope, I'm not 26. I'm 27 years old. I don't care how old you are. You have a mo- you have a moniker? How does that happen? Don't tell me your name. My- yeah, I know it's your initials, but like, how does that come to pass? Like, How does somebody decide... They're going to call you by your initials. Um, I probably because I'm a twin. So it just became LVH and AVH just to make things easier. Oh, that's cool. And I played sports my entire life. So it was a quick nickname to yell on the field. Nice. I love that. I just thought like, no one's ever like looked at me and been like SB, right? Because I would. I would think <laughs> yeah. I think I would find that cool. So this has been your whole life. Pretty much. Yeah. Like a- I've. I had a couple of nicknames. Another nickname would be Vaughn, even though that has nothing to do with my last name. <laughs> but they thought, someone on my lacrosse team thought that the first part of my last name was Vaughn. So they started calling me Vaughn. And then I was like, you know, it's Van. And then that just stuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Well, um, in the real world, LVH stands for left ventricular hypertrophy. <laughs> Which is <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go. Which Medical is term. <laughs> not nearly as fun as as it being. Anyway, I love that. So I can yeah. call you LVH. Yeah, you can call me LVH. Right, I'm gonna see if I can work that out. I, I'm gonna do my best here. I've never called anybody by a moniker before. I'm excited. Um, you're 27. Did you just turn 27? Um, in July of 2020. Oh, so no. So no, I'm almost <laughs> 28. I just. For the life of me, can't remember 
how old I am ever. I never can as well, and and that's why I was. I I just thought other people have a grasp on their age, <laughs> but you clearly <laughs> you clearly don't either, which now makes me feel better. It's like, oh, that was great. yeah. She's she forgot that she was uh, an age that she turned eight months ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Yep. I've had it go both ways for me. I've mentioned it before on the podcast. I lived an entire year thinking I was a year older than I was, which was an amazing surprise on my birthday <laughs> because I technically when did age oh. in my own mind. That's funny. Yeah, but then I made up for it later by believing that I was younger than I should have. I don't know how that happened <laughs> twice to me in one lifetime, but my wife my wife said to me at one point, she goes, for the last couple of months, I've been hearing you say how old you are, and you're wrong, and I haven't said anything, wondering what would happen. <laughs> it's like, is that how bored you are? Like, these are the psychological <laughs> mind games that are being played? Anyway, um, tell me about how old were you when you were diagnosed? I was 25, and I was less than a month away from turning 26, so that one I do remember. Oh, this hasn't been long. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So. I've only had type 1 diabetes for a year and a half, plus some. No kidding. So this June will be two years. So you made it all through high school. It sounds like you played sports. Did you play sports in college? I did. Yeah. I played lacrosse in college. Okay. So you did that. All good. You're off in your life. Things feel like yeah. you're going. You probably by 25, you're like, I'm going to be all right. Yeah. I had already lived in two cities, like besides the city I grew up in. Or I had just moved to a new city, I guess, mm -hmm. and lived there for a year and then called my parents in the hospital and was like, guess what? I have type 1 diabetes. <laughs> LVH is T1D. <laughs> yeah. SOS ASAP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did, did they come to help you? Uh, they did. My dad flew out. I tried to convince him not to because I was like oh I'm gonna leave here in a day and then fly to Kansas City for a beer festival was my grand idea thinking at the time and I convinced all the nurses and doctors I have to be on this flight on Thursday is it possible and I never told them where or why I was going out of town and they were like yeah sure until they discharged me and they're like where are you going back home to Kansas City and I was like no I don't live in Kansas City <laughs> That's where uh, the beer is. I just have to go. Yeah. My dad was like, she's going nowhere as of right now. I was like, oh, man. I I agree with your father. I would have been there before you hung up the phone. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, isn't it interesting, too, no matter what the illness is, whether it's a short-term thing or a lifelong thing, when you first get the news of it, you're like, no, this won't touch me the way it touches other people. Like, I won't be impacted by this. Even if you got the flu and you had plans in three days. You hear people do that all the time. Like, I'm going on vacation next week. The flu's not going to stop me. Oh, sure it will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it, it probably didn't help that my coworker at the time had type 1 diabetes since she was, I think, 12 or 13. And when I called her being like, hey, my A1C is 13.5 and I'm going to the hospital right now. Can I still go to Kansas City? She was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> definitely did not help the situation in terms of like egging me on to like still take this trip to Kansas City. Yeah. Well, her perspective. <laughs> never well, her perspective, right? Like if if her knowledge was in your body, you probably could have gone to Kansas City. But Yeah. Yeah. 
a brand new diagnosed person is not going to know what the hell <laughs> though. Did you ever make it like the following year? Did you go to the festival? Or was that COVID? No, because the following, or my friend who I was going to visit in Kansas City for that festival, she moved like that October um, back to the Midwest. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if Kansas City is considered the Midwest. Well, no, probably not. You don't think so? Wait, is it Kansas City, Missouri, or Kansas City? Isn't there a Kansas City, Missouri, and a Kansas City in Kansas? So it's the it's like the same city. It just is right on the border. Really? I've, yeah, I've been there, and I and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this. Oh my god, I just pulled up a map, and I'm like, oh my god, yeah, I remember this. <laughs> yeah, so my friend this? lived on the border, like the street that was the border. So she was Missouri, but the hospital across the street was. Kansas City, Kansas. Okay. And I remember it being, yeah, like there's this whole, like, am I wrong about this? I also remember being in Ohio and feeling incredibly close to Kentucky, which seemed odd to a person who. No, you are. Kentucky and depending on what part of Ohio you were in. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand all this. I would like more specific delineations between states. I don't want Cle- or not Cleveland, Cincinnati. It would be the closest big city to Kentucky because it's the there's like three big cities. It's the one that's southern-ish okay. in Ohio. All right. So, so what was our original question? Are we calling that part of the country the Midwest? The Kansas City. Are we calling Kansas City part of the Midwest? No, I guess you can't. It looks like the Mi- not. It looks like the Mideast. <laughs> Which is yeah. not a thing I hear people say. And then what's 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 like the between Denver and and like Wichita? Is that like the mid? I don't think there's a uh, central. Yeah. I don't know. All right, I'll tell you what. You tell me about your diagnosis. I'm going to find out what delineates the Midwest. <laughs> okay. So 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 you go you get. How did you end up in the hospital? So I had like all the symptoms of diabetes pretty much the entire school year, or at least from Christmas break until end of the school year and uh, beginning of June. So you're a teacher? Yeah, I'm a teacher. And at the time I was completing my like student teaching. Um, And my friend who was doing it with this student teaching at the same school as me joked several times like, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're diabetic. And we sort of just joked it off. Hmm. And finally, cause I had lost so much weight and was constantly thirsty and all those other symptoms. I just scheduled a normal doctor's appointment. And I was like, just run any blood test you want to run. These are like my symptoms. And then I left that, um, doctor's appointment. Oddly enough, went to the Apple store cause my phone was not working. So I could only speak to people on um, speaker. <laughs> and they called and they're like, can you talk? And I was like, well, I'm talking to you through my watch right now. And my phone is being fixed. So they're like, great, we're going to call back and leave a voicemail. And all they said to me was like, what my A1C was. And if you have these symptoms to go to the hospital. And I was like, I have no idea what an A1C is. I do have those symptoms. So I Googled, you know, what you're not supposed to do is Google health stuff. Mm -hmm. 
Googled A1C and the only thing I could come up with was type one diabetes related stuff. So I called my friend being like, what do I do? Should I go or should I not go? I don't have great insurance. Will it cost me a fortune? And she was like, no, you have to go. So I went and picked up another friend. (laughs) My friend with diabetes was like, on your way to the hospital, stop and get a diet Coke or not a, a normal Coke and drink it. That way you get admitted right away and you don't have to sit in the ER waiting room. And I was like, okay. And now when you look back on it, everyone's like, why did you drink that Coke on your way over to the hospital when you knew your blood sugar was already super high, probably super high. But I had also been like running around and biking around all day. So maybe it was low. And all I know is when I got to the hospital, my blood sugar was six hundred something mm. i don't remember the exact number uh did you have to wait yeah no, no i was like they took like blood pressure and then like sent me back into the er and gave me a bed to sit in for a while until they took me up to the icu <laughs> wow well, your friend sort of had some good that was i mean that's not a health wise a good tip but it was a decent tip for not waiting around <laughs> yeah it, I guess so her older sister is a diabetic too and that's when she was being diagnosed my friend the older sister's endocrinologist told the family to do that (laughs) that's insane by the way (laughs) yeah not not as insane as this the midwest is defined by the federal government as this here are the states ready it's gonna freak you out illinois Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Michigan, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, North Dakota, Ohio, South Dakota, and Wisconsin are all considered to be in the Midwest. Oh, I mean, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. It's like 13 states. That's all the states. Wow. Wasn't yeah. It's not all. The whole them, central part of the country. It's a big chunk of them. And it's also northy. Like, for some reason, mid makes me think middle. But then Texas takes up such a big chunk of the lower portion of the mid part of the country that they're yeah. all very north to begin with. I guess. I, I Wait, guess, did they include Texas in the Midwest? No, no. I guess. Okay, good. I, I guess Mid- like, I live there. That's not the Midwest. Right, right, right. I guess the Midwest doesn't promise um, height as far as the map goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I guess it's central. I'm thinking of. It doesn't matter. But what matters is. Yes, you were in the Midwest. Okay, there we go. <laughs> I can't believe you haven't gotten to go to a beer festival yet. So, I've been to that beer, that same beer festival I had gone the year before. Prior. Or okay. Prior, yeah. So, and there's, living out in Denver, there's tons of beer festivals. Well, pre-COVID, there was tons of beer festivals to be going to. So. Gotcha. So, how do you leave the hospital? Is it, like... Do you feel like you understand what's going on and you have a bunch of technology or is it a little scattered? Do they just give you some needles? How does it go? It was a little scattered, I would say. Um, I left with a box of needles and a vial of insulin and this piece of paper that said, like, here's how you're going to give yourself insulin at mealtime based on your blood sugar reading. And I think... At minimum, I was always giving, like, if I was between, I would say, 80 and 120, probably, it was, like, you're going to give yourself three 
units of insulin. And anything after that, it sort of like jumped up by one unit. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was in between moving apartments too. So I like did not have food at my house or my apartment that I was moving to. So my dad and I ate out almost every meal, like for that first couple weeks. And I just would walk around town with these like orange syringes and like pull them out at the like middle of the restaurant and be like, let me just give myself some insulin right now. I felt like so weird. Um, and then my friend was trying to, they didn't like the hospital I was at. They were like, Oh, you can see our endocrinologist team in like three months. I was like, that seems ridiculous. Hmm. So then I started calling around different places. They suggested uh, another one. Uh, and um, I honestly am so thankful I ended up where I ended up with the endocrinologist because I got put on the Dexcom like immediately because my endocrinologist was like, oh, you're going to be living alone. You you need some sort of glucose monitor that's not the finger pricking system. Okay. Um, and he's like, I'm going to suggest a Dexcom because that will send the alarms to your parents if they need to wake you up or like a friend nearby if they need a call and wake you up yes, uh, up to 10 followers yeah yeah <laughs> i only have two well, well you- when we go getting to like the camping part when i do go camping my friends hook up to it but when we're just in uh denver i'm not having them follow my blood sugar on a daily basis right so yeah, that is how you ended up on the show, right? Is that you you do a fair amount of camping? Uh, yes. Okay, and and that came up. God, that came up online, and a lot of people were interested in it. it I have to admit, it's a it, it's a space that misses me. Um, in that I don't think I've been camping since I was like a little kid, and my parents were mm-hmm. you know bought a trailer and decided that's how we were going to spend weekends. Sometimes, um, I don't have particularly bad or good memories of it i actually don't know that i have any memories of it uh but i don't camp so when people start asking questions about it i always get confused about why anyone's even nervous to go camping like to me it seems like going to a hotel but being outside right <laughs> yeah i would i would agree with that okay it's fairly easy to ease people's minds it's fairly easy to camp with type 1 diabetes okay excellent so Not, like management and everything stays the same for the most part you just have to have supplies with you and have a way to keep the things that need to be cool cool and i would imagine yeah. that's pretty much it right yeah all right so what what draws you to camping have you always been a camper um i guess no just given where i grew up not really i mean we did what is like i don't even know if they still have it it was called indian princesses as and that name is so politically incorrect at this point but when I was younger it wasn't and we would go camping with that group but it was like you go and you stay in a cabin you're not like pitching a tent anywhere uh I went camping at a country music festival once in college but then when I I've always just enjoyed the outdoors and loved being outdoors Mm -hmm. that I knew it was 
once I moved up to Denver, um, I knew it was something I wanted to start doing sort of right away once I got here. And I fell into the right group of friends that also wanted to be doing camping and living outside in the wilderness for a week. So it just sort of fell into place. Cool. I have to tell you that the YMCA in certain parts of the country still calls their program Indian princesses. Okay. Yeah. There we go. So, um, their their slogan is friends. maybe I shouldn't oh, uh, yeah. talk bad about the yeah. name then. I don't. Uh, it's a program. Programs are for dads who want to quality plan one on one time with their daughters. Yeah. Yep. Our dad went with us. No Our kidding. dad. My yeah. dad. Yeah. Our dad. <laughs> Who's at, do you have a do you have sisters? I have a twin sister. So ah, right, right. Yeah. So so yeah. So you you and AVH it's AVH, right? AVH, yeah. I remembered. You guys went together. Yes. When your father called you, did he say A and L V H or did he say six of the letters all together? No, what? he said our uh your names. Our parents always called us by our first name. Yeah. It was more just like friends that called us. LVH, AVH. I see. Because I, I was one that could get, I just feel like that would get confusing. So you, so yeah. you did do some camping with your dad when you were younger and then uh-huh. not really again. And now as an adult, you get into the Denver area and this is something that seems like you want to get involved in. And are you pretty heavily involved at this point? At this point, yeah. I do a couple of camping trips a year. Um, our biggest camping trip is always around the 4th of July, 3rd of July. Mm-hmm. Just uh, that week, both I have a birthday and my best friend out here has a birthday. So we just do a big week-long camping trip. And uh, then we have, we both teach and we do uh, a camping trip over our fall break um, down to the Great Sand Dunes National Park. That's- and then... I'll drive to Utah camp. Uh, a lot of it is has been local to Colorado, but uh, we're in the midst of planning a lot of bigger trips this summer now that COVID is sort of dying down a little bit. Yeah. And there's not, and we're vaccinated. So we feel more comfortable this summer camping than we did last summer. We last summer was a down sort of year. We only did one or two trips. Right. How do you, this great dunes national park thing is beautiful. Yeah. It's so fun. No kidding. So it's what's just like the, a giant sandbox. <laughs> what if it's actually what it looks like um, is um, if you had to sell camping to me, if you were, you know, I, we were friends and you're like, Scott, I'm going camping. Then the next thing that would happen is I would say, oh, have a good time. And then you said, no, 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 I want you to come with me because what is great about it? Because people who love it, love it. And I want to understand more why that is. Because you get that opportunity to just like leave the city, whatever, even if it's a big city, small city, whatever city it is, and not sort of be in the real world for a while. Like you don't have to have your news pinging your, or the, your phone pinging the news 24 seven. You don't have internet to the access. So you're not like, Oh, I have to get on my work email and check my emails. Um, it's just like 
such a good way to relax and like not think about your day to day life. Right. Just uh, an escape. Besides the fact that I do think about day to day life in terms of managing my diabetes while I'm out there, but that's like a different yeah. part of my day to day life. Well, I have to say, I'm not there right now, but these pictures are relaxing. So I imagine being there must be incredibly soothing. What? Yes. So, so you just, from where you end up camping to wherever you park your car, do you hike a little bit to where you camp? Um, typically, no. Okay. We, I, can, I can, um, and I will get into that, but a lot of camping sites, you can, if you're like, I'll call it car camping because you have your car right there. You're still sleeping in a tent, but like you don't have to worry about bear boxes and that you just sort of hide your food in your trunk of your car. Okay. Uh, overnight. So we do a lot like at the great sand dunes. We did that. Um, the other smaller ones. That's what we've done. There are people um, surfing, at but the you Great can Sanders. do like backpacking okay. where you have like a bag full of stuff. Your tent is at the bottom of your backpack and then you hike into you just go uh, where you're going to pitch your tent. Yeah. But you more more frequently you have access to your vehicle. Is that is that does that have anything to do with your diabetes or just in general? That's just where your comfort level is. Uh, Where are where my comfort level is and where the supplies I have, I'm still sort of working my way to like have all this fun camping gear that's necessary to do trips like backpacking and uh, things like that. But right now I'm just sort of building the base of, I have my tent, I have like the stuff I need to cook and I have my sleeping bag and pillow and then from there, it's nice. Sounds yeah, good. I just, yeah. Well, you might have sold me. We'll, we'll see. So wait, but first, <laughs> are there bears here at this sand dunes national park thing? Um, yeah. Yeah. Not, so not in the national park, but our first year when we camped there, the, there was a bear sighting. So the camp host who is like a forest, he works for the U S forest. Uh, service people yeah service thank you no, <laughs> there no, we sure. go. he will come around and say like hey there's been a bear sighting this week we saw it tuesday we haven't seen it since but at night make sure all your food is packed up in your car or hidden and they have um most depending on the campsite or type of campsite you go to they will have like a bear box storage that you can use uh, right there on your campsite if it's one that you reserve but or i can pull up to any sort of national forest that allows camping or just forest in general and just pitch a tent wherever i want to mm-hmm. so there's yep. all different types of camping and how you pick where you're going to stay and well, all that. if you bring me, I'm sleeping in the car with the food, just so you know. I'm okay. Not, not, <laughs> there's there's something about the thinness of a tent that 
would preclude me from laying in it outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you ever feel um, exposed? Um, no. I, I think it's the equipment, right? I have, in terms of laying on the ground, like I have a sleeping pad. It's this thin pad that you roll it up when you're packing it but then when you get to the campsite all you have to do is like blow some air in it Mm -hmm. as if you're like blowing up a balloon or something and then it's this nice pad that you get to sleep on and um so you don't feel the rocks or the ground too much gotcha and then the tent and this because you're like tight in your sleeping bag i feel like that keeps you one warm but two like nestled in a way mm-hmm. where you're like oh i'm not like exposed to like everything going on around me so what do you bring with you besides your personal comfort like what do you bring with you for diabetes gvoke hypopen has no visible needle and is the first pre-mixed auto-injector of glucagon for very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes, ages 2 and above. Not only is GVOC Hypopen simple to administer, but it's simple to learn more about. All you have to do is go to gvocglucagon.com forward slash juice box. shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit gvocglucagon.com slash risk. Did you know that T1D family members are at a 15 times greater risk to develop type 1 diabetes than the general population? T1D risk screening through TrialNet will detect if you are in the early stages of type 1 diabetes. Now, if you're identified as at risk, TrialNet will be there for you. If your screening results show that you are in early stages of type 1 diabetes, you may be eligible to join a prevention study that is testing the ways to slow or stop the disease progression. TrialNet also has ongoing monitoring by top T1D researchers. And if you develop type 1 diabetes, being monitored in a clinical research study like TrialNet decreases your chances of DKA from 30% to 3%. On top of all that, a future with type 1 diabetes begins with you because research can only advance with participants. So this is something that will help you and help everyone. Oh, and by the way, it's completely free to you trialnet.org forward slash juice box. When you get there, make sure you let trialnet know that you heard about them through the juice box podcast, and then just complete the process. Wouldn't you rather know? Maybe there's something you can do about it. Trialnet.org forward slash juice box. Links to trialnet, Gvo Hypopen, and all of the sponsors are right there in the show notes of your podcast player and at juiceboxpodcast.com. When you support the sponsors, you are supporting the show. I bring, well, the first time I went camping, I brought insulin pens and just the pen caps that go with it. I don't, and this was probably bad. I don't think I brought extra insulin. I think I just brought like, the pen that I happened to be using, both the Lancet and Humalog one at the time, and mm-hmm. was like, 
well, I won't run out because I don't know how to use this in general. Uh, but that was less than a month into being diagnosed was okay. that first camping trip. And then since then, the first time we went to Great Sand Dunes um, was the day after I got my T-Slim. So now I bring whatever vial of insulin I'm using at the time and at least an extra one, depending on how long I'm camping for. Um, depending on the weather situation, I have different ways I store them. What I bring Smarties is what I use as a low snack. So I, my hiking backpack always just has a bag of Smarties in it. Um, what else do I bring? Well, so so the first time you go, you don't really know a ton about diabetes and you just bring no. like, hey, here's my insulin. I'll bring it along. You didn't think about having a backup. You didn't, you didn't. And you made, how long were you there that first time? Because you made out all right, obviously. I was there. We were there for about a week, five days. So I there believe. you go. You made it a week with some insulin pens in your hand, basically. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think that's good for people to hear, honestly. Not that, not that you wouldn't want to be prepared for something going wrong because you know you could do that five times in a row and one of those times you're gonna lose the pen or something like that's gonna happen yeah uh, but still it's good for people not to be scared and to realize that 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 you did that i think is really cool but you as times passed have become a little more thoughtful about what you've brought with you how do you keep, what, um, how do you keep insulin cold um so if i'm camping in the summer i have a cooler bag that has a pocket on the outside mm-hmm. so to keep it cold during the day we always make sure that bag is somewhere in the shade but not in the trunk of the car because the trunk heats up faster yeah and then i put the insulin on the outside of that bag that way it's not in the ice water because the ice melts like all the ice water um that's what I do during the summer, like hot months. When we camp in October, I really don't have to worry about the cold as much because the daytime and nighttime is cold. And it's how do I keep it from not freezing overnight? And I sleep with it with me in my sleeping bag to get body heat on it. It's interesting. So in the warmer weather, you have to keep it cold. In the colder weather, you might have to keep it warm. Yes. How cold does it get out there? Um, in October, it was below freezing, below 32 overnight. Now you've lost me. So you were outside when it was below freezing, and yet you slept outside. Did, did the tent? Yeah. How warm is it in the tent in that scenario? Um, well, you're, I guess it's the tent keeps your body heat and whoever else is in that tent with you. But the real way that you stay warm is the sleeping bags are made. I think mine is for up to 20 degrees. So it's made to keep you warm and every sleeping bag has a different temperature range and rating. Yeah. But when you're in the sleeping bag, are you cold? Typically no. Wow. Um, the first, when I first started camping, (laughs) 
I was still using my sleeping bag from uh, that Indian princesses. So like <laughs> I was a North Face sleeping bag and I had had it since I was in like fourth grade. Okay. And it was not like one that was temperature rated. So there is a pretty funny photo of me. Like it's like five jackets on like two hats, like trying to fit my 20 and what I was probably 26 at the time, like body in this like sleeping bag meant for a fourth grader. Uh, so that was not of, the best experience. And I upped my uh, sleeping bag game since then. I would imagine none of your friends tried to like cut you off and say, Hey, you, you're using a child's sleeping bag. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think I just went with what I had and people were like, what? And yeah. I was like, well, I'm going to get a new one soon. Just got to, <laughs> I think you need better friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, find I have a picture in my head of you in like a three foot long pink sleeping bag with seven coats on. I have to be honest with you. If 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 the ceiling fan in my bedroom catches my bare shoulder while I'm sleeping, I'm very unhappy. I have to pull a plug. I don't know if I'm cut out for this is what I'm getting at. Although it sounds like lovely, like explain a day. Like you wake up in the morning when you're out, like doing something like that. You just, what do you do? Um, first thing, the morning is very, it's early because the sun rises early. So you're up along with the sun most mm -hmm. of the time. And it's still, I don't know if this fact is true, but I'm going to say it because I like to believe it. The coldest time of the day in the state of Colorado is that hour between seven or yeah, seven and eight o'clock, which you would think it would be like overnight when it's like dark out, but that's the coldest time. So we're always, uh, the coffee drinkers make their coffee on the camping stove. And then I heat up some water, drink some tea. We, throw breakfast on the stove, which is typically eggs. Um, my friend over COVID got really into baking bread along with everyone else in the world and sourdough bread. Uh -huh. So now that's in the realm of things. And I'm still learning how to eat that bread in the morning because it's so good. But my insulin is, if I eat carby things in the morning, I spike higher than I would like to. Mm -hmm. So I'm still working on that piece in terms of how am I managing this, but I could eat that same bread for lunch and not have as big of an effect. Uh, yeah. You're getting some sort of like a feet on the floor or like rise yeah. from being alive and waking up and feeling, you know, that your needs and anxiety about being alive and everything like that is giving, <laughs> yeah. you, giving you the jump Ooh, I didn't the get eaten by the bears last night <laughs> anxiety <laughs> I gotta tell you right now I don't understand at all what you're saying like do you have a gun with you no bear spray um yeah all right someone typically has it someone that would be me <laughs> I don't yeah well, I would have it strapped <laughs> in my hand it would be duct taped to my hand <laughs> it's in one of the cars that we or bags that we in always the car. Yeah. No, <laughs> you put it in your hand with your thumb on the trigger, and you duct tape yourself to it so that even if you wake up in the middle of the night, you're prepared to bear spray something. Um, yeah. I might not be rugged. I think is what I'm. Is what I'm <laughs> no, I mean a lot of the people I grew up with when they come out to visit, they're like, 
we can do like outdoor things, but we're not going to go camp with you, but we can stay in a, like a cabin or something. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's fine. Yeah, as long as we're doing something outdoors. Yeah. Now I did, I did a cabin once and there was a bear near the cabin and I was like, we should leave. Right away. <laughs> we should get out of here. This bear's that we're in the bear's house. It doesn't like it. We have to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It seems upset. Meanwhile, probably that bear was nicer than three dogs I've owned in my life. It, it just wandered around gently. Nobody bothered it. It didn't bother anybody else. The people yeah. who, who were local seemed to not even be concerned that it was there. And I was like, Oh. Um, I just didn't want it to eat a kid. Although looking back now, I could have eaten one of them, would have made my life easier. I'm not saying which one, yeah. but there is one I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. Um, but so this is kind of really interesting because you got diabetes sort of as you found camping and yet it hasn't, like, you're learning uh-huh. the two things together. Um, how did you find the podcast? Um, I was looking for, I was having a really hard time that first fall that I had diabetes mm-hmm. working out and uh not going low or not going high depending on what type of workout I was doing sure and one day I used to carpool to work with my neighbor who worked at the same school and she was like oh I need like 15 more minutes but I was already in my car so I was like Oh, I'll just look up like podcasts that I can listen to later. And I was never a big podcast person before. Um, really before finding the juice box podcast, I had never listened to a lot of podcasts and I found another one and the guys were just like boring. And then I think I found your, is it a pro tip where you talk about, about exercise? exercise? Yeah. Yeah. So I found that one and then sometime like maybe I like listened to it and it was still on my back of my mind and I would listen to it again still trying to figure this out and then at some point I found the episode the after dark episode about drinking and I was like oh this is the right podcast for me now that I (laughs) have mastered this diabetes uh working out which actually I should not say mastered diabetes and working out that's far from true but I've grown with it. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, Oh, I'm not the only diabetic drinking. And like still trying to enjoy that part of yeah. what my life was before diabetes and things I enjoyed. So I was like, Oh, and then from there, I just sort of started listening on my way to work or way home. If I wasn't carpooling with uh, the other teacher that lived like cross the street from me. Yeah. And then it's just when we went remote, I would listen during my lunch breaks. And Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Do you know Maya's a mom now from the drinking edition of oh, uh, really? After Dark? Yeah. She was in episode 274. And that was the first After Dark that I ever did. Um, yeah. I, I, and you know, it, it, to tell you something that I've never said to anybody before, <clears throat> I'm a little bothered that I had to call them After Dark. Um, not, that makes sense. yeah, not bothered. Like I got, uh, you know, I don't opine over it often, but there is just part uh-huh. of me that thinks that these are just topics that people who are alive deal with. And I hate that I have to like 
say like, oh, this might be a little too risque or sexy for you. Like, be careful. But in the end, I don't, uh-huh. I don't want anybody to trip into an episode, you know, that's about psychedelics and, <laughs> and not know it's I there. just listened to that one. Wasn't she great? <laughs> she was, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but, but so they... So they're branded that way so that nobody I don't want people to get triggered and be upset that they heard something that's upsetting. Like I and I don't have a good perspective for that because I just love people's stories and Uh I don't care what their story is. I don't I don't feel judgment about them. I just I feel like I'm reporting on it, like I'm just trying to understand it. So I can have a conversation with somebody who's talking about being bipolar and I don't feel like the you know, I don't, I, I don't get upset. Like, it's hard for me to, I want to make sure I'm clear. I understand why people get upset by upsetting things, but they don't mm-hmm. make me upset. So I'm a bad judge of that. So that's why I just call them after dark so that people can yeah. know, hey, there's something here that maybe you should, you know, maybe you'll want to tread lightly. Be aware get to it. Yeah. Meanwhile, I think there's some of the best conversations in the podcast. I, I would agree. Yeah. So but it also proves that like you're this is the teacher side of me coming out like a good listener like you can listen to people's stories and hear them for the truth and not be like oh well maybe that's not how you should live your life yeah i mean i can only tell people how it occurs to me like using the latest one the psychedelic one as an example almost everything she said in my brain i thought that seems like a bad idea (laughs) And, (laughs) and um but what I realized is, like, to me, that's a bad idea. But it's a uh-huh. good idea for her. And I don't, like, what do I care? You know what I mean? There's a lot of people doing mm-hmm. a lot of things in the world. They're not all the same things I'm comfortable with. Um, yep. And, and it, oh, I'm glad you like them. I really am. I want to do, I'm going to do more. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to shy away from it. it it's, I, I keep thinking there'll, there'll be an end to them, but there just isn't. You, you know, yeah. and, and you really have to thank the people who are on the podcast because, um, like episode 399 is about heroin addiction and the, yeah. and the person who was on and, and was that honest for hours about their life was, if I'm remembering correctly, the fourth person who's been addicted to heroin to contact me, the first three for reasons that each one were very good, couldn't follow through with recording some of them were like legal reasons some of them one one person thought they'd be put in jail back in jail if they if they said some of the things they were going to say so it took me four and it's not that easy to meet someone who has type 1 diabetes uses abuses or has been injured by heroin and is willing to talk about it on a podcast like finding someone to do that that's not an easy haul like that uh yeah took years you know what i mean um so anyway, uh, and then it all falls on like, like what if I'm in like a sleepy mode or something like that, that day and I mess it up and I'm always worried about messing up the, uh, the conversations, but I'm glad that you like them and that you found mm-hmm. it. But anyway, my point is, <clears throat> if I had a point is that you're <laughs> new to die, you're new to diabetes, you're uh-huh. young, but you're not young, you're older, but you're not older. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you're figuring out type one. It sounds like with you know, not a lot of help through the medical side. And so far your type one friend has only told you to drink a soda to get through the ER fast. So <laughs> she doesn't seem like yeah. a huge help either. No offense. Um, and, uh, and, and so you're, you're kind of figuring this out by yourself. And at the same time, 
not limiting what a mid twenties LVH wants to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's brave. Exactly. Do you know it's brave or does it not feel like that while you're doing it? Um, I don't think it feels like that while I'm doing it. And I think because, yeah, I have lived 25 years of my life without diabetes. And then I got it right before this camping trip. And I was like, well, whatever, like, I'll just figure out the both at the same time. And I just went with it. And I think if I hadn't just gone on that first camping trip after being diagnosed, I don't think I would have continued camping. I think it would have been something where it's like, oh, I have diabetes. I can't do that, which is not true at all. Like, I can do whatever I want to do with my diabetes, and I'm just going to find a way to make it work. So had you not tried this new thing before you had a before you started really understanding the diabetes but before you really understood it like i i i want to point out that when you're diagnosed you know nothing and then as you start gathering information you still don't know anything you're just scared because you hear more words and you have more things in your head that you think are going to happen and then you figure it out as time goes on so you were lucky enough to just go on that camping trip before you even knew that that might not be a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. And my, because my dad was still out in Colorado with me at the time up until like two days before this camping trip, his like one request for my family was like, you can go as long as you have the Dexcom. Like he wasn't going to leave the state of Colorado until I, had a Dexcom Mm -hmm. and I wasn't allowed to go camping until I had a Dexcom, which thinking back on it, it's probably the smarter way to do things. And I'm thankful I had it because it gave me a little bit more sense of mind of like, Oh, my blood sugar is not 300. Like I'm under 180 majority of my first trip. uh, Other than like randomly at night, but I found out that's because I didn't know how to dose for, eating handfuls on handfuls of chips at a t- at <sighs> once and I didn't know what pre bolusing was but yeah but you had that safeguard there yeah yeah which by the way was doing more for you than that tent would have if a bear came and uh <laughs> I, also uh fair point luckily you uh, you obviously have come up against no diabetic bears cuz nothing's trying to take your insulin I- yet yeah, they have not. <laughs> Can you imagine? They imagine if a bear just came that. up to you and was it took your pen and left. You know, it's like oh. probably smelled it and was like, nope, doesn't smell like something I want to have. Uh, I don't know. I'm thinking maybe the bear needs it. Do bears get diabetes? All right, I don't know. Well, we'll figure that out too. Well, so your father understood the gravity, at least, of a low blood sugar. That's the part yeah. that stuck to him during the time you were in the hospital, obviously. Yeah. And I think at my first endocrinologist appointment, I think my endocrinologist made it clear of like, you need to have some way to know while you're sleeping in your apartment alone or in camping world that your blood sugar is not low hmm. and you need to be woken up somehow. Yeah, good and for him. Like, no, it's, nice okay. that he, it's nice that he figured that out. And I like too that even though you're in your mid-20s, He's like, listen, I probably stopped telling you what to do a couple of years ago, but on this thing here, 
this is what I want, or you're not going outside like this. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Good for and, and do you and he still talk about the diabetes or have you ever expanded on that? Me and my dad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Partially because he this past November sort of became learned how to manage my pump a little bit for me. Uh, in small pieces and just learn more about the pump because I was, I had a liver surgery in the fall. So, um, he came out for that and he's sort of been like my medical guy and comes out to Colorado when I have something medical going on mm-hmm. as much as my mom would, my mom, this is just a side note, would have loved and wanted to be there for this surgery, but due to COVID and due to her own health was not allowed to travel. Gotcha. Um, and the reason he came out the first time instead of her was she had just left Colorado the day before I was diagnosed. So like she was out visiting left. I went to the doctors, called him later that night and was like, Hey, I'm going up to the ICU. And, I didn't even call them before I went to the hospital. I was like, we're just going to figure everything out. And then in the ER, I was like, oh, I should call my mom. And the nurse was like, no, there's really nothing to tell them right now. Like, wait until we at least take you up to the ICU. And then I'll explain why you're going to the ICU. Because it's not that you're like going to die ICU. But like, (laughs) those are the nurses trained to run the insulin do you think there's two different sides of the icu the you're gonna die side and the, <laughs> no this is just really serious but like, but. i wasn't like super sick it was like you just need this insulin and this is where you're gonna get it no kidding hey do you know if you go to a browser and type do bears get right it's do bears yeah. get stung by bees rabies cold up during hibernation period somebody wants to know if a bear gets a period but if you hit a space bar and then just the D. Do bears get what do you think the first return is? Diabetes. Diabetes. Do bears get diabetes? Then it's do bears get drunk? Do bears get depressed? Do bears get drunk on honey? Do bears get drunk <laughs> on dandelions? Do bears get drunk right. on honey? So real quick, I want to find out if bears get drunk on dandelions first. <laughs> and then we're gonna find <laughs> yeah. out if they get diabetes. Can a bear get what is this? There are many videos purporting that shows apple drunk bears. Here's a, yeah, well, that's not a dandelion. Why would someone think dandelion? And then there'd be no returns oh, on it. Even NPR has had an article. Why fat grizzlies don't get diabetes like we do. Really? <laughs> do bears? Well, I guess in 2014. But what people Google is fascinating. Do bears get yeah. drunk on diarrhea? Why oh. would someone Google that? Does alcohol cause loose stools? Well, yes, it does. But what's that got to do with bears? <laughs> but this has gone down a strange rabbit hole very quickly. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. All right. But we do need to find out if bears get diabetes. Some bears can have their cake and eat it too. Grizzly bears become diabetic during hibernation and then recover when they awake. Well, that's interesting. I'm going to have to bear have a bear on one time and ask this question. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> I don't think that's going to work. How fat grizzly, <laughs> grizzly bears that are overweight avoid di- like type 2 diabetes? 
That's really interesting. Okay, that is not why you're on, though. Because a bear, <laughs> let me tell you this, Alvichan, I'm being serious. Whether the bear has diabetes, doesn't have diabetes, has diarrhea, or doesn't, it'll rip you open like a sack of potatoes and kill you if it, if it gets a hold of you. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I'm not going camping. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you have no fear of that whatsoever? I don't. <sighs> but I'm. you're not the only one. There's so many people that are like, nope, there's animals and bears and things out there i'm not gonna go near it yeah snakes and, by the way yeah eh? well, you well just we say, had a pet snake growing up i don't care <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> that was in a fish tank right True, yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 i was in sort of some tank i the one time we cleaned its cage i somehow let it out <laughs> and it slithered into the bathroom but what kind hey, of, it went right to the bathtub. So, what kind of snake was it? It was a gardener snake. Oh, that seems reasonable. It's my brother's pet. I'm just thinking. Yeah, I don't want to wake up in the morning with a snake in my sleeping bag because it's like, oh, it's warm in here. We got to make sure you zip the tent up. <laughs> I, I'm counting on a zipper to keep a snake away from me. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Do you burn a fire 24 seven when you're out camping and it's cooler? Yeah, well, yes, um, but it goes back to the, what type of campsite you're at, mm -hmm. especially in Colorado because of forest fires. Um, oh, okay. And during the summer, especially this past summer, there's you have to know what the fire band is before you build that fire. Um, but most of the time, it, if you're at a campsite that you've reserved, they have like a fire it's like a ring mm -hmm. and it has to be within there um and then but if you're doing what they call dispersed camping where you just pull up to anywhere and you just pull over and camp then you probably can't be having that fire uh depending on what the fire band is at the time but I this see. whole past summer we were at the highest fire band because like Fort Collins was pretty much like engulfed in flames, Rocky mountain national park. I went there the last weekend before it closed down because the fire took part of it. Uh, so you just have to be careful, but there's signs everywhere that say like, this is the fire band. Okay. I have to tell you and then I when you get, I yeah. um I looked up like more like luxury camping and it's really expensive. <laughs> oh yeah, glamping. Is that what they call it? <laughs> yeah. Go oh, glamping. 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 What's the G for? Glorious, I think. G really? I don't know. There's a place Probably. in Montana. I may have just made that up. Well, we'll find out. But there's a place in Montana where I could I could spend eleven hundred and fifty dollars a night. To go to be in a tent. Why would I? Why would I do that? <laughs> oh, well, then you see the view. Look at the view. Oh my god. Maybe I would. You know, if I had eleven hundred dollars, maybe I would spend it for that. Um, that's really something. Yeah, I oh, listen. Glamorous I to, camping. Glamorous. Where did you say the first? Is the G? I think I said glorious. I don't know why I said that. Oh, that was pretty. Uh, it's pretty nice. Glorious. Threw out a word with a G. <laughs> At least you got a G. Can you imagine if you were like, if I said, what's that G stand for? And you said, fantastic camping. 
Yeah. <laughs> then that'd be embarrassing. Um, so I, I have to, I have to be honest with you. Maybe you can help me through this a little bit. And then I want to get back uh, before I let you go about about like all the supplies that you bring in, things that you're thinking of in the in the beginning, uh, if for the future. But I really like everything about the outdoors, with the exception of dying at the hand of an animal or freezing, seems really like glorious to me. I'll use your word. Um, and so um, I I want that. Like there's part of me that thinks I want to live in a in a you know in a rustic house in Montana in the summer and then get the hell out of there before it gets cold. Um I yeah. but I I don't know, you know, obviously that seems like something a wealthy person does like has a summer and a winter home uh which I I don't think I'd be able to accomplish. But yeah. uh but I mean there's something about it that I find incredibly attractive. I think it would be lightning for my soul and and just better for my health and and just for my visual you know, I saw myself on a video call this morning with someone and I realized I don't think my face has been in the sun in like a year. And I didn't recognize oh, yeah. that I was getting pale even. You, you know what I mean? Like um I yeah. wanna I wanna be outside. I don't wanna die in the in the um the pursuit of it. And I don't wanna be um sticky from humidity. These are my goals. Um but I and I wonder if there's a place like that where I could actually test it out and give it a shot. So um, there would be, there's sites that like there's sites where you can find camping sites, grounds, but then there's sites that are sort of like Airbnbs, but for, um, for like cabins Okay. that are like in the wilderness. Well, I'm going to look into it because I feel like I could pretty cheaply fly somewhere. You got to think that when COVID's done, air travel is going to be free. So, um, yeah, yeah. right. So I'll, I'll be able to fly somewhere and then do this instead of going to some sort of like a hotel and then just finding the sites, like just stay outside instead. All right. I'm going to yeah. try it, but I'm, I'm bringing bear spray is all I'm saying. Yeah. Bring bear spray. Yeah. Don't do what I do. Don't do what Where you I'm do. like, oh yeah, it's somewhere. I just picture you wandering around outside completely unsafe with one needle, with one vial of insulin in your pocket, and that's it. So I'm not the best at packing things, which is probably why I um, was like, oh, I have my diabetes stuff. That's like the one thing I know I always have. And then past that, it's like, well, I hope it made it in the car. (laughs) <laughs> like I'm in Vail this weekend or this week. I'm doing a bunch of snowshoeing. I was halfway to Vail on the phone with my sister and I was like, oh my God, I forgot my hiking boots. <laughs> and she was like, what? How? That's the one thing you need this week, Laura. And I was like, <laughs> um, I was like, uh, I just, I don't know. They're always in my car and I wasn't the last one to drive to the hiking trip. So they're in my house now. <laughs> so here I am. I bought a pair of boots on my way out here. I was going to say. I was like, I'm not turning around. Yeah. So. Uh, my son showed up at a baseball tournament one time without spikes. That was yep. interesting. And uh, he had to borrow somebody else's shoes and play in somebody else's shoes. for the. He literally found, uh, approached the game, saw a friend of his playing in the game, Pre that happened previous to his and stopped him yeah. and said, I need your shoes and took his shoes from him. Um, but uh, listen, 
joking aside, there's something about that freeness in you that I find uh, delightful. Uh, and um, I mean, when I was younger, you describe the way I lived my life. Like I didn't plan a whole lot. I would leave my house without things and have to buy something along the way. And I think there's yeah. something kind of um, there's something kind of great about that. There really is. So I and and I think moreover, well, stressful that way. Well, at the, yeah, because you don't have to remember anything. <laughs> I mean, as long as you can afford boots, I guess it's okay. But so my my bigger point is that when I see people online and they're like, you know, we want to go camping, but my kid was just diagnosed. It, it feels like they want rules. Like they want someone to tell them, here's mm-hmm. the diabetes camping checklist. Here's the diabetes basketball checklist. Here's, and I don't think any of that exists. Um, and yet I want to have the conversation about it. Like, I didn't know what you were going to say today. I never met you before. I mean, you might've been, you could have come on here and been an incredibly type A, I've got a list that tells me you, you could have a list of lists. I wouldn't have known who you were going to be when you got here, you know? And instead we meet somebody who's recently diagnosed, who is embarking on new, you know, adventures. Um, they're not next to a refrigerator in their house. And you're still doing great. And I think in the end that that's a really good thing for people to hear. That even you, a person who might forget your shoes, goes camping <laughs> and doesn't kill themselves. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I see that too. On, yeah, I'm a part of your Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And everyone, anytime I see a post about camping, I'll chime in. And it's probably the only thing I chime in about. Or altitude is the other thing I throw in knowledge about. Yeah. But everyone who responds to that post has a different experience and different way they manage their blood sugars while camping, just like we all have different ways managing our blood sugars when we're not camping. That it's like, okay, just that reassurance of like, I can do whatever I know best and I'm not going to nothing bad is going to happen. Yeah. That's what I appreciate about this conversation really. And I'm, I'm thrilled that it went the way it did because in my heart, that is how I feel about all this. I don't think that there's um, rules for every different kind of person that exists. Um, And uh, but, but in the beginning for a lot of people, it can really feel that way. Like, you know, uh, uh-huh. we're going to go on vacation. Tell me what to do. I always like the one with like, we're going to fly for the first time with an insulin pump. What do we have to do? And I always think like, well, what do you think other people with insulin pumps do? Like they go to the gate and they say they get somebody's attention to go, hey, wearing an insulin pump. And then they wand you and send you through. Like I didn't, that doesn't need a podcast episode or a blog post or you, you know what I mean? Like I, I, um. I get confused by the things that people think are content. Like if you step back from this podcast, you have to realize like by now, if you're not listening, you have to like really pay attention that in the first 20 minutes of most conversations, I'm learning about people and getting them comfortable. You were kind of nervous. I could tell in the beginning of this, but you, I was, yeah, but you've <laughs> loosened up and I feel like I helped you get there. Right. So, yeah. So there's that part of it. And then it's up to me to build a conversation after that. And, and that's, that's kind of my job, but the podcast has never once been, here's a list or, you know, I mean, every once in a while, 
there'll be a, a Facebook post that's so valuable that I'll actually add an extra podcast episode and I'll be like, look, here it comes. In 20 minutes, I'm going to read to you all these people's responses around this one thing because it uh-huh. was so thoughtful. And, it, you know, and I think the information's valuable for people. But in general, I want people to re- to kind of understand that there's no, there's just no rules. Like you got to have your insulin and you need to take care of yourself. It doesn't matter if you're outside in a tent, in your house, at school. It's what this is, right? Yeah. Like it, it's going to be wherever you are going to be. You know, are there some thing, you know, could I tell you how I keep insulin cold in the summer? I could, but you could figure it out like I did. Like I'm not the um, standard bearer for how to keep insulin cold in the summertime. I figured mm-hmm. something out based on the stuff that was in my house. And it works fine. And so that's how we do it. That doesn't make it a rule. It just yeah. makes it what it is. You know what I mean? So I appreciate this a lot. Well, so how are you? Can I ask you? The, I know I'm going to keep you a couple extra minutes. I hope you don't mind. Um, that's all right. I do have to run off eventually to go. A um, couple minutes. I promise. To go. Uh, what am I doing? Cross country skiing. Are you really that's doing that what today? I'm doing. Yeah. So it's the very first time. Good. See that? And how, okay, forget that. Forget what I was going to ask you. How did you plan for cross-country skiing for the first time? Um, so I'm in Vail because my brother and his girlfriend are out from the East Coast. And they had enough room for me to stay with them. And they're skiing all day, every day. And I've had two ACL surgeries. So I'm like, I'm not going to ski and tear another ACL. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, you should cross-country ski. So I figured, hey, while I'm out here and I have these great like Nordic tracks where they groom the snow specifically for cross-country skiing, I'm like, that I'm going to do one thing that I invest in this break that's not snowshoeing because I know how to snowshoe. It's hiking with funny things on your feet. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to buy myself a group lesson on how to um, cross-country ski. And that's great. The dog, they're, I'm partially taking care of the dog while they ski, but they were like, nope, you go do cross-country skiing, you do your podcast, we're going to put the dog in doggy daycare for the day. So, Episode 26 and 138 of the podcast are both with Chris Freeman. He was an Olympic cross-country skier who has type 1 diabetes. Oh, I should listen to those. Yeah. I don't think I have. His and I love the way Chris talks about managing type one. He's very matter of fact and not but not mean. Um yeah. and, and so I, I I've always enjoyed how he's talked about diabetes. But that's not the point. The point is you're gonna go do something that's incredibly vigorous for the first time. You're not scared. What do you have with you? Nope. What do you got? A Dexcom insulin pen and a little bit of fast acting glucose? Yeah, a Dexcom, a tandem pump and some Smarties and a thing of water. God damn, I like you. All right, LVH, you you rock. You're you're amazing. Um, what do you would you share with me? What you teach? You don't have to tell me where, but like what? I subject? teach seventh grade math. Well, math, middle school math, I guess I'll say. No the last couple of years have been seventh grade. Good for you. You like teaching? Yeah. Yeah. You look forward it's- to getting back to the building? Yes, I am. I'm dying to get back to the building but i joke that like i am a pretty good online teacher i've like mastered that Mm -hmm. 
I'll say I'm a mediocre in the building teacher, <laughs> but just because my very first year teaching on my own was last year, where the last, like right when you're getting comfortable teaching, you're like, I got this classroom management stuff down and I now know what I'm doing. And now we're going to get COVID and send everyone remote. And you got to learn a different I'm thing. Like, well, at least I'm young and know technology well. Right. Well enough. So, yeah. The kids know you have diabetes? They do. I tell them partially because they see the Dexcom. I like to wear the Dexcom on my arm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I told them right away, like, hey, I have diabetes. You'll see this. This is what it is. Um. When I'm in the classroom, what I did last year was if I went low and had to have Smarties, they all got a Jolly Rancher just for fun. Nice. Listen, they're probably um, they're probably rooting for you to get low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And one of my students this year, neither her or I are in the building, but she also has type 1 diabetes. And it's the one thing that we've been able to like connect on. Oh, and nice. right away, I was like, I have type 1 diabetes. And she messaged me individually and was like, me too. Oh, <sighs> like, that's you probably had it longer than I have, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> you might ask, know more than me. Yeah. How do you handle pizza? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Find, tell out, me this. <laughs> find out from a little kid, right? Uh, all right. Yeah. Well, I hope you have a great day. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, I, you, Thank you for you, having me. No, you have great. a really wonderful spirit. I, I appreciate you adding it to the show. Thank you. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N.com forward slash juice box. I also want to thank Trialnet and remind you that Trialnet is absolutely free to you. Find out if you or someone you love has the markers for type 1 diabetes and see if you can't do something about it. Trialnet.org forward slash juicebox. Tell them the Juicebox podcast sent you. Oh, geez, I almost forgot. Thank you to LVH for coming on the show. LVH, I love talking to you. I wish I had a moniker. I'd be SRB. It's not as good as LVH. What would your moniker be? I feel like this is like when I say like, uh, what's the name of the street you grew up on and the name of your first pet? That's your stripper name. Like, like, what would your moniker? I don't know. I'm having a stroke. Goodbye.